Oh, you can. Oh, hey. Oh, going all right. That was a. It was a rough start, but uh, we we made it. Turns out that. Um, well, anyways, I won't go into the details, but OBS has this tendency to uh, update without telling you, and it resets your settings. So that's what happened there. Anyways, I'm so happy you guys stuck through that. How long was that? That was, what, a good solid, what, uh, five minutes of staring at my face, and that's one of the worst punishments you can get. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We were supposed to have the Habs TV guys, and they are actually at the... Montreal Alouettes after party so they're not going to be here tonight and, and I get it I get it I would probably go to that too if I'm being perfectly honest so it was an exciting game exciting end unlike our start we'll jump right into it and I do want to thank we're up to 60 people here hey it's what it's it's one in the morning in Quebec and it's uh, about two in the morning out east so we do appreciate all you guys coming in here all you uh, Habs fans, you hardcore Habs fans. I've noticed that we're getting a lot of people in the late games, which is really impressive. Okay, fantastic game from Alex Newhook, uh, who I think really found his groove, probably his best game since he got here. A lot of fans were worried, what's Alex Newhook going to do? You're seeing him find his rhythm a little bit. Uh, Samuel Montabo, also just spectacular. And if you're the Edmonton Oilers, I mean, come on, are you not making an offer for Samuel Montabo right now at $1 million. $1 million. That's it. And don't forget, his cap space is so it accrues, right? So by the time it hits the deadline, they'll still have a ton of cap space. Uh, $1 million is a gamble for a guy that can maybe put a smile on Connor McDavid's face, right? So I do appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for being in the chat. Hi, Claire, as per usual. Salut, Jean. Hey, Rudy. Hey, Gary. Hey, Chris. JC. Oh, man. We got a lot of people. Dennis is here. And my favorite, Trizak. Is Trinka here? We'll see. Anyway, so what we're going to do tonight, this is going to be more of a Q&A with all the fans. So this is still going to go to a podcast, but I'll be reading out your questions in the chat and trying to answer them as best I can. Um, in the meantime, there's a couple things I wanted to mention. Despite all the good, it's quite clear Cole Caulfield is frustrated right now. Cole Caulfield's not a happy camper, so we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But... Um, Nick Suzuki is doing quite well since they've been separated. Cole Caulfield a little bit less. But anyways, there's a lot of good to talk about. And uh, Kaden Gooley, again, is, is, is Kay in here? Did she, she didn't make it? I'd be surprised. But Kaden Gooley had a fantastic goal. And I'm going to say this. Jake Evans was my player of the game, not named Samuel Montembeau. He had two particular plays where he dug the puck out. Board battles, won them, and they led directly to goals. So... Evans was that guy that you're kind of worried about, right? You're not sure if he's going to have a role on this team long-term, but we're seeing a guy now that's really becoming a solid fourth-line center who he's contributing not just defensively, but offensively as well, and that's fantastic. And we're seeing people capitalize on Nick Suzuki's ability to create time and space. It was Mike Matheson, but still... Nick Suzuki's a fantastic playmaker, and we can't lose sight of that. So, uh, we're going to jump right into the questions right off the bat. If you want me to speak about something specifically without a question, that's fine too. But we're going to get into the Q&A, have a little fun tonight, and uh, we'll, keep it, we'll keep it short and sweet, unlike the launch, because that took an embarrassing amount of time. Yeah, Amy mentions Jake Evans was fire. He was great. He was absolutely great. Um, okay, so... Mario Biscotti asks, so who leaves Montreal from the goaltenders? Yeah, tough decision, but 
I, there's a lot of logic to keeping Samuel Montabo, right? I mean, he, he, the Canadians finally found a goaltender who was playing well. He emerged late, which is always something good to remember for Caden Primo. But here's what I'm going to say. I think rebuilds are built on capitalizing on opportunities. And right now, the Montreal Canadiens have an opportunity to, to get a really good return on Samuel Montabo. And I'm not sure if they can pass that up, right? At $1 million, he's, he's a... He's a piece that any contender could add so I say Montembeau but if not listen it's gotten to the point that you almost all three goalies are frustrated I'm sure and uh, Caden Primo isn't developing so you're gonna have to make a decision soon but every every passing game did you see Edmonton lose again tonight every passing game the Oilers are getting a little more desperate and I know they said they're not gonna make a desperation move but when you got McDavid that's basically you know, rage-quitting games, you have to make a move. I think you have to. It, it would be irresponsible for the Oilers not to make a legitimate offer, in my opinion. So I say Samuel Montembeau is the guy that'll end up going, not just because it makes the most sense, but you'll get the better return. And in a rebuild, that's really what you want. I know people are going to say he's playing well, and a young a goalie from Quebec, which is important, to always have some representation on the team. But right now, I think the Canes are far away from needing a Samuel Montembeau. And if you look at teams that have won the Cups recently, uh, the Cups, have won the Stanley Cup recently, some of them have been able, kind of like the Avalanche, to add a goalie once everything is done. And I feel like that's probably the right approach for the Habs. So, anyways. Oh, Claire can't stay. Bye, Claire. I'm going to say bye to you, too. Um, oh, yeah. Jean Small mentions, which is fantastic, Jaden Struble looked like the best Habs out there. He actually, last I checked, he had the best numbers. Uh, him and Lindstrom even though they had one rough shift where Motabo had made a great save. But Jaden Struble looked better tonight than he has in the AHL. And that's crazy because he's looked very good in the AHL. No, I don't think anyone was expecting him to come out and be the most reliable defenseman in the AHL. But he was. He deserved the call-up. And tonight what you saw was a guy who was just keeping it simple but effective. And that's exactly what you want to see, on a, especially on a sketchy defense, right? Justin Barron was having a hard time. Um, Kovacevic was having a hard time with some of the biggest, bigger def uh, forwards. So Struble kept it simple. And you know what? He might be the strongest guy in the league right off the bat. Like I, I remember his coach at Northeastern when I said like, this guy's strong, right? He said, no, no, he's a specimen. He's like, as if, if the aliens would come down and they wanted to send one good representation, like a Greek God, it would be Jaden Struble. So he's yeah, big, strong guy, but he keeps it simple, at least for now. He has offensive touch. And he can clear the crease. But fantastic NHL debut, by all means, for, for Jaden Struble. Uh, yeah, so Canty Canadian mentions, Cole shines when he has no cover, low cover. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He does he does shine when he has three on three. But I'll say this. Up until this year, Cole Caulfield was behind Austin Matthews for the most five on five goals since St. Louis came in the league. So I don't know if I buy that completely. This year, you're seeing a guy whose his body language is down. He's, he's getting blocked a lot more often. He's having a hard time creating that pre-shot movement. And you're right, it's due to a lack of time and space, but I don't think it's a Cole Caulfield issue because he's proven that he can score in the past at five on five, right? So right now it's not looking too good, but I wouldn't start putting that label on him. Yes, he's better at three, three versus three, but historically he's only really scored at five on five. So, you know, even more than the power play, which tells you something, right? Uh, yeah, so, oh, Chris Walker saying, Gooley will eventually win the Norris. I don't know if I believe that. Um, and Anderson will eventually score. Oh, I don't know if I believe that either. 
Okay. Uh, it's not funny, but it is. Like, Josh Anderson has been getting set up with the best, best passes. Like, the, the guys are playing really well around him. And we saw that power play opportunity tonight. It was a fantastic release by Josh Anderson. <laughs> but, like... Right in the crest, you know, if he had a logo right here, he would have hit it. Uh, if he had a target right there, he would have hit it. So I don't know what you do with Josh Anderson at this point, but I, I, I would argue that putting Uri Slavkovsky, who means a lot more to the team in the long run on the first unit and who needs that confidence as well, um, would be a logical approach. Like I, I can't malign Martin Saint-Louis for much, but I will say that his his usage of Anderson and his distrust of of Slavkovsky in like important minutes and on the pot, top power play unit it's a little weird it's it's a little weird like for example Anderson was playing at the end there and Yulinen who had a great game was essentially benched in the third period and Jesse Yulinen did more in like four shifts versus the Stanley Cup champions than Anderson's done all year right and, and again I don't want to like be the dead horse here but or the dead power horse but um they should have moved him last year when they were getting offers from teams like Calgary. It's as simple as that. And that was a huge whiff by Kent Hughes. And that happens to GMs. They really fall in love with their own players. Or he was only really getting one offer from the Flames and he was trying to build up interest. That's also very possible. Like Kent Hughes is a little little more sneaky. We underestimate his sneakiness a little bit. Um, okay, so JC saying you'd say long-term Allen should go. Yeah, but it could... I go to French when I get serious, eh? and I, I, my, my voice actually drops. Écoute, là. Uh, écoute moi, JC Marshall. Nobody's going to trade for Jake Allen. I mean, at $4 million, or what is it, $3.4 million, he just doesn't fit that like quick ad that can really boost you up. His save percentage is, is worse than Montembeau. Like, if you're going to move for a goalie, you move for, for Montembeau. I get it from a Habs perspective, asset management. You want to keep Jake Allen, but realistically, what can you get for Jake Allen out there? Uh, like without using a retention slot on, on, you know, on, on some of his salary. So I think if you're, if you're the Habs, you got to go for those home run swings. Like we're talking about Anderson losing his value. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's very possible that Samuel Montembeau loses his value as well. We know goalies are voodoo that we don't like, I was a goalie and I still can't analyze goalies. So Forget the idea of moving Allen. I mean, again, I could be wrong, and I I am often wrong daily, but I don't think Jake Allen's... Like, th that start was strong, but nobody at that price is going to go for him. Um, okay. Oh, is my audio actually low? I'm going to try... Sorry about that. I'm going to boost it up a little bit. All right. So we have... Hey, Thomas. Salut, Thomas. Um, Lucas Percellas. Would you trade Allen to Edmonton for Campbell with 50% retained... Ryan Nugent Hopkins and a first round pick. Um, like they're retaining 50% on Campbell? Well, the Oilers wouldn't do that, would they? Um, okay, I'm terrible with trade value, but I'm going to say yes, just for the fact that. But I get the sense that you're saying that you the Habs are retaining on on Allen, and that that's fine. You got to use those retention slots, right? You use it or lose it. Um, if you're getting Nugent Hopkins and a first. I feel like that's a decent return, but Nugent Hopkins doesn't really fit in the plans. And Campbell's, man, that contract is so bad. Like, <laughs> I was I was listening to some Oilers bloggers suggesting what the Habs will, will trade, and they're like, okay, we're going to give them, who was that other trash player? Anyways, it was a trash player with Campbell, so like two bags of garbage for Sean Monaghan and Motabo, and I was like, and then, they're, and then they said, 
Oh, and add picks to make it up. But here's the thing. Taking on Campbell's contract right now is like a first or a set or two firsts on, on its own. I'm not lying. Like, I know that might sound outrageous, but we're talking about a huge amount of money for a long time. So uh, the Habs don't need to be really handcuffed with that. If you had one or two years, two or three years, maybe, but we're looking, I think it's four or five years. Disgusting. Just a disgusting contract by all means. And uh, I don't think the Habs should, uh, I don't think the Habs should even bother with that. So, uh, okay. Did we have a penalty tonight? Yeah, actually there was a, who, who got a, there was one penalty that, Actually, did the Habs have a penalty? I, I was busy writing my recap. I kept, there was someone for sure that went to the penalty box, or maybe that was when Lane Hudson, I was watching the Boston game earlier. I'm thinking of Lane Hudson. I already have Lane Hudson in the Habs lineup. Imagine what he could do in games like this where they're tight, just that breakout ability, his ability to create time and space. A guy like him with Nick Suzuki would be absolutely fantastic. Um... Yeah, Thomas mentions that the Norris gets K to go back to Gouli. I didn't actually answer that, but he needs power play usage to get the Norris trophy, okay? Right now, his stats are actually fantastic, which is great because last year, Caden Gouli's numbers, c'était de la merde, to say it in proper French, it was, they were really bad. But he was also anchored to two guys, Joel Edmondson and David Saval, who historically said la merde aussi. It's not very good. So now we're seeing him, even though the partners have been switching up, they haven't been the best. We're seeing Caden Gooley play some fantastic defense. He got beat on the inside tonight on the 2-1 goal. He's still 21 years old. He's still very young. Um, but his defensive play is starting to become borderline elite. Like, And I say that with hesitation because I don't, you know, we're talking about top 20 in the league it's not quite there yet but what really impresses me is that um he's yet to score a power play point because he doesn't get used in the power play so all his production all his production comes at five on five and that's you know when you have a guy that can defend in your own zone and also uh produce constantly at five on five you mean you'd be crazy not to to start to look at him for the norris but you're gonna see guys that have 70 80 90 points that get 40 points in the power play Get more votes than him. It's as simple as that. Um, Matt Murdoch asked the thoughts on the Caulfield Dvorak Slaff line as a whole. Okay, let's, you know what? I'm going to check the stats right now. Actually, I'm going to risk my NDG internet by opening a tab here. Seems fine right now. Uh, I'm going to go take a look at their numbers. I thought overall Caulfield was actually getting some chances. He just couldn't get his shot off. Like he wasn't, he, he was always a half second behind. Didn't really notice Slavkovsky tonight all that much. And Dvorak starting to cool off a little bit compared to where he started. Like when he first jumped in, it was great to have him there because he was producing, he was creating chances. Uh, you know, we also have to be realistic and admit that Dvorak has struggled since he's come to Montreal, so we can't expect a lot of offense. Now let's see what they actually did. Um, okay, yeah, they were they were outchanced, outchanced significantly. They had seven shots and 12 against while they're on the ice. Not great, but but you know what? Thinking back, I don't remember them being pinned in their, hemmed in their own zone for too long. It's just they weren't getting like prime scoring chances. I guess that would be the issue. Actually, I'll check, see if I'm lying or not. Oh, you know what? They created two high danger chances. They allowed three. Just okay. But I'd rather see Cole Caulfield back with Nick Suzuki right now, if I'm being perfectly honest. Because you have a guy who, he's your best goal scorer. But did you guys see him on the bench? Like after he, he was a block shot or forget what it was, but he was just despondent. Like you're seeing a guy who... 
he 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 really rides that wave of emotion and and you're seeing a guy right now who's just not full of confidence and he hasn't scored a five on five goal since being separated from Suzuki. He scored that three on three goal, but is bad luck. But right now you're essentially not your best player. I'd say Suzuki's the best player, but your best goal scorer is just not in the right frame of mind. And Martin Saint-Louis has to do something about it. Like he gave so many chances to Josh Anderson. You might want to give Cole Caulfield another chance to, to kick it off again. Like I get what Martin Saint-Louis was doing by splitting them up. And there's logic there because in the last few years, those two, their underlying numbers have been de la merde encore. That's my, that's my, my French term for tonight. Their, la, their numbers have been shit. But this year, they were playing well together. They were producing. Their underlying numbers were good. So from a uh, statistical sense, it wasn't a great game. Uh, it wasn't a great decision by Martin Saint-Louis, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, well, Gary mentions if I was LA, I'd pick up Monty. Hey, you know, a million dollars. That's the thing. Every team can afford them. And that's the absolute fantastic thing. And that's why I really think you have to take advantage of it. Uh, JC Marshall also mentions, I'd point out, Cole is becoming more defensive. Yeah, well, we saw it tonight. He was actually really tenacious in the defensive zone. He had two back checks where he ended up winning the puck on a battle. Um, but that's not really new, in my opinion. I know people are noticing it now, but last year we saw Cole Caulfield really bring it and start to uh, dominate from, not dominate, but play well from a defensive situation. Um, oh yeah, well, Thomas mentions Jake's got a no trade list, Jake Allen. He does, and from what I heard, Edmonton might be on it. Which, I mean, fair enough. But uh, if, he, if he wrote it two years ago when, when um, Ken Hughes signed that, I don't know why he would have put the Oilers on. Like, right now we can laugh and say the Oilers on it, but nah, I... I, I I don't think he would have put them on two years ago. If someone can check what his modified no trade is, I think it's like eight teams or something. It would surprise me. It would surprise me if he put the Oilers on there. His family's in Canada. His kids go to school in Canada. So I'd be surprised if he if he put the Oilers there. Um, yeah, and Mario mentions Campbell. Actually, Campbell had a... That Campbell is about to come back in form or he wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, Campbell had a shutout in the HL the other day. However, <laughs> his three games before that were de la merde. They were shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, Trizak asks, if Mark, if the Habs defensive play had a theme song, would it be the Benny Hill song or uh, a bad record, recorder version of My Heart Will Go On? Yeah, the famous uh, Celine Dion cover. I don't know, man. It would be like, have you ever heard Helter Skelter by the Beatles? It would be that, essentially. Just loud noises, lots of drumming. Ringo's got blisters on his fingers. Um, yeah. We saw tonight, especially Baron on the left side, got overwhelmed big time by uh, McTavish. I mean, big, big strong forward. I get it. But um, what I would say the biggest issue for the Montreal Canadiens, and statistically speaking, it also lines up, is they're terrible at rush defense. Like, they're, they're <laughs> they allow... Everyone in, come, bienvenue, 24-hour, bell pro, come have your puts in, in our zone. And um, it's everyone. Like, Caden Gooley tries to defend the rush. He's not the best at it, but he does a pretty good job. Everyone else, you got the Autobahn, just come directly in our zone. That's why, Mike, when I see Montembeau tonight, he had a, an amazing game, still allowed three, what, it was three goals? It was 5-3 at the end? I don't know if the last goal counted. Either way, your goalie has been the star in games where you allow three, four, five, six goals. And, and that's a big reason. The rush defense is just 
absolutely terrible. Just like just like the mid 80s in, in Canada, rush all over the place. Um, let's jump on to another one. Yeah, so as Amy mentions, no, you can't uh, you can't bury all of Campbell's contract in the minors if you take it. Um, it's 1.1 something right now, the threshold. So you'd still be on the hook for a month. Yeah, absolutely. You're right, Amy. Claire, hi Claire, asks, who would you put it on a line with Caulfield and Suzuki? I'd love to get all your input, but there's one guy they haven't tried now. Right? There's only literally one guy that hasn't gotten the... Like, they're going to end up using Jaden Struvel before they end up using Yuri Slavkovsky on that top line. I don't know if he deserves it, but at the same time, has Josh Anderson deserved, you know, top line duties for 15 games, power play duties? So, I don't know, man. I, I would probably try Slavkovsky. And you know what? Worst case, because Monaghan's kind of sinking right now, I wouldn't mind throwing Monaghan back, back, back on that top line. Um, I know it would create a little bit of a dearth of talent in the lineup, but he's struggling right now, and uh, he's great in transition. But we're seeing tonight that uh, Nick Suzuki doesn't necessarily need that guy to carry him anymore. He doesn't need that Doc or Monaghan, and that's really good news for the Habs. He's still facing the best opposition, but he's doing a fantastic job creating time and space. If anyone has a chance, you can go to Megan Chaika. She works for Stathletes, and she produced this chart of the people, of the players that produce the most primary um, scoring chance assists. So I, I, I know we're getting a little nerdy here, but essentially Nick Suzuki creates the most chances in the league for his teammates, but he spent a lot of the year, well, <laughs> I swear I'm not going <laughs> to insult them anymore after this, but with Josh Anderson and other guys that can't score. Newhook's scoring now, which is great, but he wasn't before. So um, I'm not too worried about Nick Suzuki or who goes on that front on that top line but I would like to see Slavkovsky get an addition at some point like why not you know why not give him a go if you're going to keep him here you might as well give him a go on the top line the issue is St. Louis does not trust Slavkovsky in key situations so Uri Slavkovsky is always going to get pulled from the line and he's been doing it since Slavkovsky came in the league and I get it but it's kind of counterproductive to put Slavkovsky on the top line and then, oh, the game's in question. We're going to get you out of there. It's a little, it's a little confusing for the player too in terms of his, uh, in terms of his uh, assignments. Uh, yes, so, oh, Mathieu Barrette mentions the Coupe Grey, Grey Poutine. Yeah, so for those that didn't hear Habs Fan TV, they were supposed to join us tonight, but they're over having Poutine in the Grey Cup at the after party. They said it was crazy, so uh, they're having a good time with the Alouette. And uh, you know what? Congratulations to the Alouette. Not only did no one bet on them, like TSN had all Winnipeg. No one was talking about them. They were they were ranked last in the league going into it. And uh, perfect underdog story. And shout out to all the Montrealers that came out for the parade. That was cool, man. I don't think you're going to see a bigger CFL parade. So, like, this city loves its champions. And it's just great to have one. And that's what the Alouettes are providing right now. So, you know, the Habs are kind of in a mode where they're not taking all the news. Or at least not 100%. Maybe it's 98. And that's great news for the uh, Alouettes. Uh, Mathieu Barrette mentions Lias Anderson in Laval. Hey, listen, he's been playing great. But he's injured right now. So actually, so is Mitchell Stevens. So it, like half the Laval lineup is injured right now. Heinemann, um, I'm forgetting a bunch of guys. Uh, Toby, uh, Pocket, Bisson. Um, half the lineup's injured, kind of like the Habs, yeah. So <laughs> which is which is great. Um, okay, Trizak mentions Yolon Ilunen, which okay, that's how you actually say his name, but I I mess it up every time. But it's Ilunen. 
Ullinen. It's not actually Ullinen. It's Ullinen. Uh, Jesse Ullinen. And um, I thought really that he did not deserve it. But not only that, um, it's insulting to a guy like him when other guys get ice time and he's playing really well, right? Like if you're a young guy trying to break in the lineup and you're on the fourth line, but you're producing, but you have talent, you're hoping that in those situations, maybe he'll pull you off and throw you there instead of, I can't say his name, I promised, instead of another forward who hasn't scored yet. But, uh, I mean, that's that's the young guy treatment, right? So I, I would like to see Yulinen out there anytime they need a goal because he's got a great shot. I know he hasn't produced a ton, but he's finding his rhythm right now, and he has shooting talent, and that's what matters. Uh, yes, yeah, so Jean Small asks, have you, have you watched Luke Tuck in the NCAA? Yeah. Great news for Luke Tuck. He's actually having a fantastic year. I will say this, though. Like, huh. I don't want to be too negative, but he's playing on a line with Macklin Celebrini, who, at 17 years old, is leading the NCAA in scoring right now. Um, he's going to get 18 goals before his 18th birthday. He's going to get 18 goals before Christmas. Like, Macklin Celebrini is absolutely out of this world good. And if the Habs have a chance to draft him at the end of the year, they're going to be laughing because he's the type of elite talent the Habs need. He's just... Oh, and I know I'm supposed to talk about Luke Tuck, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gush about Macklin Celebrini a little bit more. He's forming instant chemistry with Lane Hudson, which is great too, right? So just tons of shots. And you saw a guy when he first got in. Don't forget, again, 17. Um, he was giving away the puck a lot. He was forcing the play. Now he's playing fantastic defensively. We saw today... He was back-checking like crazy, which is fantastic. Um, and he's playing on that top line. He's getting points. I just, I, I don't think you could expect him to be a top six player. And that's fine. You know, we forget that he's a second-round pick. Just maybe, and as Trezak mentions, his, his game, his physical prowess will probably translate very well to the uh, to the NHL. So, you know, it's 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 not a guy that I would count on for offense, but more of a pleasant surprise. And, and you know, he'd be a guy, I think, probably a couple of years in the AHL as well. Um, Decision-making isn't always on point, but he's got that body. He's got a decent shot. Right now, he's kind of playing a supporting role, but, uh, you know, he's doing well, all things considered. He's on that top line for Boston University, who's one of the best-ranked teams. Well, they will be now. They just bit, beat uh, Quinnipiac. Uh, I didn't say that properly, but um, they beat them 3-2 tonight after Lane Hudson set up a couple goals for Ryan Green. So they're finding the rhythm, and Luke Tuck is part of it. Lane Hudson's a much bigger part of it. So we're seeing a guy who defensively has been better. Um, now that Cajal is making some saves for them, Boston's winning a little more, and his plus-minus isn't getting ripped apart. So all in all... Um, it's typical that I'm talking about Lane Hudson when you ask about Luke Tuck, but great year for Lane Hudson. And uh, Luke Tuck is, you know, he's climbing back into the conversation. And that's great news because he was starting to get a little bit uh, forgotten in the mix. Okay, so, uh, yeah, Mario mentions supposed to be the line of the future going back to the Slavkovsky thing. Yeah, when he got drafted, like I had him for five minutes in the Habs locker room and I asked him, like, who do you want to play with? And without hesitation is Caulfield and Suzuki, you know, like, boom, Caulfield and Suzuki. Now, he hasn't deserved it yet, but I really would love to see him get a chance. If not, if not against, like, top opponents, maybe throw it in once in a while if the top line's not working. I like Brendan Gallagher, and I actually think he did a great job tonight. That line was really good. They were the only line that didn't get buried by the Ducks, but um, he's not a long-term solution. As much as I'm a Gallagher fan, I don't know if that's 
where you want to go. So you're going to, you're going to want to try someone else. And with Dock Out, um, I think Slavkovsky is probably an interesting choice there. Or Ulinen would also be, Ulinen would also be a, a great choice. Okay, we're going to wrap it up pretty quick here. Because again, I'm sorry about that, that slow start. Just like the Habs in other games, I had a slow start. But tonight, the Habs were great. Uh, 5-3 win or 4-3 win. Again, I didn't see if that last goal counted. But it was, it was the start, I think, that was important for not just the Canadians, but Martin Saint-Louis. Martin Saint-Louis was clearly not happy with how they've been playing. And, and I think some of that falls on him, the preparation. So tonight, much better start. And then they had bounce back as well. So right after that 3-1 goal, quick goal, or sorry, after the 2-1 goal, a quick 3-1 goal, same thing um, later in the game. We were seeing the Habs show a little more honest effort, and that's really important for a team that's rebuilding, right? Like, like it's fine if you, even if you lose. Even if they would have lost tonight, it would have been more than okay for a rebuilding team. It was the effort that matters. So, um, You may not know the answer. What's the parents' trip like? Well, okay, I know the answer from... I know that all the moms love it, and I think statistically, if you go around the NHL, moms' trips end up with the higher winning record than dad's trips <laughs> now it might just be coincidence but i also have a theory that every 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 guy's a mama's boy right so uh maybe they're a little more comfort no it, it's great for the players and it's uh also just a fantastic chance for these fathers to see you know obviously with the mom but what 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 their hard work gave and there's nothing better than like did you guys see jonathan kovacevic's dad when he scored he just had that like beaming look of pride you know it's the same look i see like for example when my um my best friend's playing with his with my godson you know what i mean just that look of like i did that i made that so it was absolutely fantastic um we'll grab one or two more questions and then maybe wrap it up because we've gone a half hour and it's it's about 1 30 here i got i gotta be up by about five o'clock and head to ontario so bernardo suny asks when will Jaden struble win the norris I'm going to say probably not this year, but maybe, maybe next year would be the uh, the right game. Oh, yeah, JC, was was he? Am I? JC Marshall mentions that Slav, Cole, and Suzuki were together in St. Louis against, like, versus the Blues? I don't remember that. I also have the gold, a uh, memory of a goldfish, so, yeah. Yeah, well, Amy mentions that, yeah, so what they do is actually every father is with their son, right? So when they go... Um, for example, Rob Suzuki was, was bunking with Nick Suzuki, which must be a really weird dynamic, right? Because the last time they did that was probably at like camp when, when their kid was five years old or something. But yeah, they were bunking together and it's just a really good opportunity to bring a little bit of, um, you know, wholesomeness to sometimes the NHL is a little cold and sometimes these guys are having hard times. We don't, we don't ever give them the opportunity to emote or, you know how it is, guys can't have emotions. So it's always good to bring in family members. It's just a comforting thing, and it adds a little bit of humanity to what can be like a robotic league, right? So I'm all for it. I still believe the moms create a higher advantage than the dads, but it's just it's just a fantastic thing. For I'm really glad they do it, and they do it longer, but there's actually cap reasons why they can't extend it beyond two games. So the, the CBA right now only allows the Habs to do it for, I believe, maximum 48 hours. And after that, the, the dads would have to pay. Which would which would be pretty pretty crappy. Um, okay, so yeah, Michel Richer mentions the nuked Suzuki and Caulfield. I, I feel like they did too, and it was the wrong time. But Suzuki's still doing well, 
And Caulfield isn't, which is the opposite of last year when they got separated, or when they were playing together. So if you throw Suzuki back onto Caulfield's line or vice versa, I, I think things will start to go well. It's not like Caulfield's not shooting, not getting chances, but he's just like that half second slow. He's getting, tonight I think he got blocked like four times, and that's pretty rare for Cole Caulfield. And you saw him on the bench, he's just... Like, he's really not feeling it. But I'm not worried either because goal scorers are streaky and Cole Caulfield hasn't forgotten how to score. Like, you know what this reminds me of? And I don't want to scare all of you. When he, It reminds me of when he was playing for Dominic Ducham. It's the exact same thing. Like, everyone blames Ducham for, for Caulfield not scoring. That's the one thing they can't blame him for. They can blame him for benching Caulfield in the playoffs. What a dumb decision. I mean, I make a lot of dumb decisions, but that was dumb. Uh, we can We can blames Sham for a whole host of things, not being able to change his strategy, but Cole Caulfield shooting 0% or like 1% while he was there wasn't his fault. So goal scorers are streaky, and that's kind of what's happening to Cole Caulfield right now. Um, why do I hate Josh Anderson? Yes, yeah. Fair enough, Bernardo. No, I don't. Um, I just feel like the Canadians really missed an opportunity to get a good return on him, like especially at his age, right? Like I understand why GMs will like him, and GMs will still like him. But you could tell, and I wrote an article like last year in November saying, hey, watch out. This guy's going to, like his, his offense is not sustainable. And there's a really big chance that it just goes away and kind of what we're seeing right now. Now, I'll say the same thing for Josh Anderson, as I said, for Caulfield. There's a lot of bad luck involved too. Now, recently he's been hitting the logo, but he should have several goals right now. I think he's one of the leaders in the NHL for underscoring so essentially his expected goals versus real goals and that's you know unfortunate for him so we saw him hit the crossbar a couple times but right now i think what happened is it's gotten to him and he's taken worse decisions whereas at the beginning of the year he was taking the right decisions and he was just getting unlucky so i think that's really the difference for uh josh anderson now compared to uh to to, to later and, and defensively it's a bit of an issue too right so it's not a hate for josh anderson it's more of a frustration towards Kent Hughes for not capitalizing on Josh. I like, and also, okay, I didn't, I don't want to put him down too much, but we can we can look at last year and all his goal scoring came in the second half. Um, and I kind of hate this saying, but when it didn't matter, when the Gabs were already eliminated, so it was situational. He was getting a good shooting percentage luck. This year is the complete opposite. So the truth is like somewhere in the middle. Um, but really, it's it's hard to see a situation where the Habs get good value for Anderson compared to where he was. That's essentially it. So I don't hate Josh Anderson. I hate that he regressed, <laughs> as we predicted earlier. And I would say, honestly, probably not the best half on the power play. At the same time, though, Martin St. Louis makes sense putting him on the power play, right? Like, there's a guy who you need to start scoring for your team to succeed. But if you're like guys like Sapkowski or Yulinen who actually you've been playing well recently maybe you're frustrated that Anderson's getting first power play unit time you know like I really understand what Martin Sinoui is doing but I feel like he's hit the point of diminishing returns when it comes to giving Anderson chances so that that's that's what it is right now okay so we ended with we're gonna end with why I, I hate Josh Anderson no I don't and honestly I don't hate any players I actually got asked once when I was working with the Habs, they're like, which players do you hate? And everyone had these lists, and I was like, they've all been pretty good to me. Like, the only person who was really cold to me was Shea Weber. And I feel like I just got him at the worst time. I was at the World Championships. I wasn't even with the Habs. And 
he had just been traded there to the Canadians. And I'm like, I asked him this long question about, are you going to build up chemistry with Pricer in a tournament, blah, blah, blah. And I was really excited. It was my first like big uh, event. And he just said, no. And he turned around and he put his stuff away and he left. And I was like, oh man, that's a, but it was a classic Shea Weber answer. I just think I caught him at the wrong time. But other than that, everyone's been really, really nice to me uh, on the beat. So I don't hate anyone. And I don't hate Shea Weber either. He was just, he saw a guy who was about half his size and he didn't want to get into it. He probably saw that I got a motor mouth and he was like, ah, fuck this. I'm out. I'm out. I'm not dealing with this little guy. So, yeah. Um, Michel Richer mentions, do you want to see Baron on the first power play? Yeah, well, and the right, yeah, the right shot D would help. Um, I don't know if his play defensively merits it. Okay. Yes, power play, but no top pairing right now. The issue is who, who are you going to, who are you going to throw in there? Um, it's not Kovacevic either, right? Lindstrom is probably their best performing right-handed defenseman right now, which is um, a bit of an issue. And it was really cute tonight when after Montabo made that save, when he went and patted him on the head. But Gustav Lindstrom has played well. I don't think you want him on that top pairing. And he's also formed some pretty good chemistry with Struble, so that's going to be important going into the road trip. Uh, they don't have any changes, so... Yeah, maybe Baron on the power play, but they're going to have to find a long-term solution for that top pairing. And it's not, right now, it could end up being Justin Baron, but I don't think it could end up being Kovacevic. You know, I love Jonathan Kovacevic. I'm his biggest booster. I'm part of the Jonathan Kovacevic propaganda party. I was, you know, founding member, but he's having a hard time out there tonight, or not just tonight, the whole season. And um, Baron is as well. They're really rough on when it comes to rush defense. They're really allowing guys to, to, to get into the zone nonstop. So as Michel mentions there, Gustav Lindstrom has been acceptable. And that's the best we've seen so far from the Habs. All right. Salut tout le monde. Merci. I'm gonna, oh, by the way, I completely forgot. But if you could like the stream before you go, I would absolutely appreciate it. And subscribe. You can share it with others on social media. I forget what else Andrew told me to, to say. I really should listen better during meetings. But if you could like the stream, that would be much appreciated. And I will be back on Friday. Friday, we have uh, Thibaut Chatel is going to join us. And he is a analyst. He's actually the guy who, who kind of told everyone about Reinbacker last year or a after the draft. So we're going to have him on. And he's going to give us the lowdown because I watched Reinbacker and I was not impressed. But, and I watched a few games, but I, again, as we said at the beginning, and as you noticed, I get things wrong all the time. So we're going to talk to Thibaut Chatel uh, on Friday, and then we're going to have Marco uh, D'Amico is going to join us on Saturday. So fantastic analysts. That is it for night. For night. I'm a little tired too. Uh, salut Amy, salut JC, salut Michel. And as per usual, I'm going to end with my favorite thing to do. Bye, Claire. Bye.